Welcome to Live, Love, Lead, the podcast where we explore the art of living authentically, loving sincerely, and leading boldly. Now sit back and enjoy the episode. In this episode, we continue our discussion on feelings. In the last episode, we asked the question, are your feelings crippling you? And we began to discuss, how do you push past your feelings so that you do what you know you need to do? You do the right things that you need to do. We looked at the first four letters of the acronym feelings. We looked at fear, excuses, ego, and laziness. And just before we start with the next four letters in this episode, I want to just read a quote to you that will help set us up. And this quote is Proverbs 23 and verse 33. It's a beautiful proverb. It says, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come upon you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. I love that quote. It revolutionized my life in making the point that there is no such thing as non-effort. What you don't do is compounding just as what you do is compounding. There is no neutral action. It's either adding to you or it is taking away from you. One of the things I want to encourage everybody as around me to do is to read, read a lot. And just imagine if you took the little step of reading 10 pages of a book each day, at the end of a month, you probably have gone through maybe four books, three to four books. But if you don't do that little step, at the end of a month, you've not gone through any books and you are none the wiser. In fact, you're regressing your knowledge and your wisdom and just your general value add. I'm setting this up this way because the first letter, first letter we're looking at today is insecurities. And many of the insecurities that people deal with, they've been courting and taking along with them for a long time. I just spoke about books. Reading a really good book in an area that you are insecure addresses what's one of your insecurities or reading two or three or four of such books will change your life. Why are you not doing it? So let's talk about insecurities. An insecurity has to do with uncertainty, has to do with anxiety. And the root of all insecurities, because there are many, right? As many as people as there are in the world. The root of all insecurity is summed up in one statement. I'm not enough. That's the root. Very experienced psychologist sums it up in that way. And the research bears the point. Not enough in various ways. Not enough in terms of how we look. We feel like we're not pretty enough. Not enough in terms of smarts. We feel that we are not smart enough. Not enough in terms of finances. We feel like we don't have enough money. Well, maybe that is true. I don't know. <laughs> but the point is that sense of inadequacy, that sense of not feeling enough is a root cause for a lot of insecurities that we are dealing with. And these insecurities show up in different ways. I'm going to highlight two and use a couple of stories to bring up the point. The first one is our insecurities make us behave less 
than our best self. When we find ourselves in certain situations, we begin to do things because we are insecure and you surprise yourself. I remember there was one situation where I was growing in leadership. And as I grew in leadership, there were obviously already established leaders in the organization. And as I continued to grow, I began to see how some of the more established leaders were trying to paint me in a bad light to the CEO. They were effectively stabbing me in the back <laughs> and various things like that. Why? Because of their insecurity. They felt threatened. They felt their position was threatened. That's not their best behavior. They're better than that, but they were insecure and this is what came out. Never doubt or be surprised as to what you will do when you're put into certain circumstances. I have a question for you. And if you are a leader in an organization, I believe we are all leaders for leaders, leadership is influence. If you didn't have the title and it was taken away from you, is that what your identity is wrapped up in? It's an important question to ask because if your identity is very wrapped up in titles and things and toys, I promise you, you are behaving in ways that are not best for the people that you are leading or the people that you are working with, right? If you speak to somebody and they give you some honest feedback, that will be very, very useful. The second way that our insecurities comes or shows up is we accept less than we are worth. That's another important way that sometimes our insecurity shows up. In this case, I'm giving an example of a person who was secure in herself and did not accept less than she should have. So I remember the day she introduced boyfriend, her new boyfriend to me. I mean, she was over the moon. She was excited. She was physically joyful, you know, almost not able to stand still, eager for me to meet him. I met him with his sister and her friend and we had a little bit of a chat and we laughed and, and all was well. I was happy for her. It looked like a very good and decent guy. And then I see her weeks later. I think it was probably about two or, two or three months later. And I say, oh, how is he? How, how is the relationship going? And she goes, that's, that's ended. I, I broke off that relationship. And I thought, how? I was shocked in my mind. I had seen the wedding. You guys looked so good and you were so happy. And she said to me, I, I saw too many red flags. And I said, what do you mean? And she goes, he was quite protective, which is not a bad thing, but he was not beginning to get too controlling. Okay, now that I'm in a relationship, perhaps she thought to herself, I'm not gonna have as many guy friends as I did in the past or I can't be as friendly with them as I may have been because, you know, I have to take into account that I'm in a relationship and there are things he likes and things he doesn't like. And I began to make some adjustments. And then at some point, it became demanding that I, he didn't even want me to speak to certain guys because he felt any conversation, no matter how, friend, no matter how friendly or non-threatening it was, was me building intimacy. And that took away from the intimacy I was building with him. Crazy, isn't it? And so she, she began to doubt herself. She began to think that, am I doing something wrong? Am I looking at this the wrong way? The relationship became toxic. She spoke to some mentors and she broke it off. Now, if she wasn't secure in herself, she probably would have continued in that relationship as many people I know have 
in spite of the red flags. So look at your insecurities and like reading a book 10 pages a day, you might allocate just a little bit of time to work on work on them every day so that they stop holding you back. If you're going to deal with your insecurities, there are two things you I think you should do. The first one is get perspective. Honestly, this is one of the best ways to deal with insecurities. I heard a very touching story of a coach who gave a free bonus session to a young to anybody who won the competition. And a young lady won the competition and he comes onto the Zoom call and when she comes on, she is quite clearly severely disabled. It's quite sad. And she she almost paid no attention to her disability, was owning herself and said, well, I think I found somebody I can love and I want you to teach me or give me some advice on how I can transition it from just a friendship to something more serious. She asked her a few questions and those questions led to her talking about her life. She was so disabled that the only thing she could probably do without help was speaking. If she went to the toilet, she needed help. She probably went out, as she said, once or twice a month because of all the logistics when she was going out and primarily went out with her mom and her dad. She said, when people look at me or a guy looks at me, what they are seeing is not pretty or anything like that. What they are seeing and calculating is responsibility. Wow. He was even in tears as he told the story. And his point was, when you and I, who may not be in that situation, look at that, it should give us perspective and give us a better relationship with what we are being insecure about. He actually gave the funny example of being insecure about his nose and his hairline. And when he had the conversation with her, he put it into perspective. That lady, there could be somebody else that looks at her and actually says, you know what? You at least know you're going to be alive six months from now. I'm in a situation where I'm going to be likely dead in the next three to six months. Get some perspective. And the second way of really honing into insecurities and overcoming them is accepting this simple statement, you are enough. There's a very, very successful therapist who pioneered this sense of helping people feel enough. And she, with great results, she would tell clients to write it on mirrors anywhere they can find in the house and constantly say it to themselves, I'm enough, I'm enough, I'm enough, I'm enough. Really begin to really believe it. In my case, as a Christian, uh, I fully understand that. I can say I'm enough and I truly believe that I am. But beyond that, the fact that Jesus died for me makes me know how valuable I am and the fact that I am enough. Because it says, while I was yet a sinner, he died for me. I didn't have to do anything. I was totally accepted, loved, adopted into his family. And so I have a strong sense of identity in being enough. But confessing that statement also helps in that, in that regard. So let's now move to the next letter N, which is nonchalance. Nonchalance has to do with that carefree attitude. And quite frankly, I actually think it's deeper than that. I think it's about self-sabotaging ourselves. And I'll tell you what I mean. I'm going to share with you a funny story that I heard once that makes the point very well. And it was a man that went fishing. As he went to the river, he was throwing his hook in and not really catching anything. And then he looked 
to the other side of the river. And he saw who was clearly a very experienced fisherman, a local in the area, who was being most successful catching fish. But then the oddest thing was happening. The man would throw the hook in, catch a fish, and when the fish was caught, he would put it against a stick he brought with him. And then sometimes he would throw it into his bucket and other times he would throw the fish back into the water. I mean, who throws fish that you came to catch back into the water? After observing this man for some time, he went to the man and said, wow, first and foremost, you have to tell me how you're being so successful in catching so many fish. But secondly, you have a way of doing things that I find particularly interesting. Why are you throwing some fish back? And it goes, oh, the older man who was successful in fishing said, let me, let me tell you, oh, almost like saying, let me tell you, my son, here is a life lesson. And he showed him this stick and said, this stick is the size of the frying pan in my house. When I catch a fish and it is longer than the stick, it's not going to fit in the frying pan, so I throw it back in. <laughs> it was ludicrous. What about cutting the fish in half? What about getting a bigger frying pan? Before you laugh at the joke, think about this reality. Many times, our head is that frying pan. Amazing opportunities come our way, but we reject them. We have a nonchalant attitude towards them. Why? Because we are not thinking big enough, because we're not thinking strategic enough, or quite frankly, we are being selfish, which I'm going to cover at the end of this particular episode. So when it comes to being nonchalant, what do we need to do? The first thing that I would say that we need to do is we need to make a firm decision. We need to be decisive. I love a quote that says, a double-minded man is unstable in everything that he does. How decisive are you? Pick an area where you don't feel like doing something. It could be a big thing or a small thing. It could be that nonchalance is the area where you're being nonchalant towards it. And if that's the case, ask yourself, have I made a very clear, definite decision? A decision with as much information as you have, which can be adapted as you progress, is better than not making any decision at all. I want to share with you a story of what indes how indecisiveness can cost you. So my beautiful wife, when she was much younger, I think she was probably 20, 21, and she was in Harrods. Harrods is a very, very expensive upmarket department store in the United Kingdom. And she was there and, and walking around. It, it happened to be her birthday. And so while she was walking, she saw the owner of Harrods, Mr. Alfayad. He looks at her, realizes it's her birthday, I think, by saying hello and her saying it's to him. And he smiles at her and says to her, I own the store. Tell me what you want for your birthday anything at all. I think she's starstruck. I think she's indecisive. She's looking around. What am I going to ask for? In my mind, I'm thinking, take me to the diamond store. I want your biggest diamond. Like, <laughs> let's make this decision quick. My wife is looking around, being indecisive, and what happens? The man obviously has things to do. He reaches out for the closest box of chocolate people, and he hands it over to my wife. I could be financially independent right now if she just asked for the right thing. <laughs> so indecisiveness costs you. That is a true story, a bit funny, but really and truly, what is your nonchalance costing you? The final point I will make 
on being nonchalant is this. Motivation cannot be trusted. The only guarantee of moving forward is putting one foot in front of the other, whether you feel like it or not. Let's move to the next letter in our feelings acronym, and that is guilt. In the last episode, we spoke about shame, and we spoke about how shame can be limiting, and we differentiated between shame and guilt. So I'm not going to go over this again. We spoke about how uh, guilt would say, I made a mistake. Shame will say, I am a mistake. Guilt would say, I did something bad. Shame will say, I am a bad person. Guilt will say, I messed up that presentation. Shame will say, I am a bad and woeful presenter. We get the point. But guilt is something, a feeling that also limits us sometimes. And if we don't address guilt quickly and decisively, it will become shame. So there are two ways, two key things you think about when it comes to dealing with guilt. Number one, take responsibility. Let me tell you a story. It's the story of creation. So we know that God has created Adam and Eve. He's put them in a beautiful garden of eating. And he said to them, you can eat of anything that you want. Do whatever you want. All I ask is don't eat of this tree in the middle of the garden. We know that the temptation comes, the snake comes and tempts Eve and shows and makes Eve doubt God's goodness and as though God is preventing something good from, preventing her from enjoying something good. And so Eve is tempted and falls for the temptation and eats the apple or the fruit from the tree that she shouldn't eat. And she gives some to her husband. And then God comes into the picture and Eve and Adam are hiding, they've sown some fig fig leaves around their waist because now they realize that they are naked. But this is the point of the story. First and foremost, God says, where are you, Adam? Adam says, I was hiding because I was naked and I knew you had come. And God was like, how did you know you were naked? Did you eat of the tree that I told you not to eat of? And guess what Adam does? This is where we learned it. Adam goes, it wasn't me. You remember that song? Was it Shaggy? It wasn't me. Adam goes, it wasn't me. And he, I don't listen to that music anymore, by the way. But, but he goes and he says, it was the woman who you gave me that gave me the food to eat. And then he looks at the woman, what have you done? And the woman says, it was the snake that made me eat it. What is the point of this? If you are going to deal with guilt, you need to look at yourself in the mirror and take responsibility for your actions. Adam, you messed up. You took off of the tree full stop stop looking externally as to why or why it didn't happen they didn't shove the fruit the fruit down your throat you ate it willingly and you enjoyed it so that's the first thing you need to do when it comes to dealing with guilt take responsibility and the second is treat each incident discreetly or as discreet what do i mean by that if you do something wrong here you did something wrong here Don't compound it with the next thing that you do wrong. Oftentimes, not even the same sort of wrong action, but we just compound it. And the more we add to these negative experiences, the more we are progressing towards shame. Don't let guilt stop you. And finally, the last letter of our feelings acronym is selfishness. Selfishness is doing things for yourself at the expense of of other people or the greater good. I've come to realize something. When people 
let their feelings stop them and they don't push past their feelings. They don't go through the hard work of perhaps dealing with insecurities, for example. And more and more I see that it's because they don't have a goal, a vision, a dream that is bigger than them. When we have a small way of looking at things or a small, it's just me, myself and I, then we're likely to be stopped by the feelings or the madness of life. But when you are living for something bigger than you, trust me, you will push past discouragement, depression, dejection, failure. You will go forward no matter what. And this thing doesn't have to be that you want to save the world. No, sometimes it can be a little thing, but it's bigger than you. I remember I was still in investment banking at the time. I'd done an all-nighter as you do sometimes in the industry. And I said, as I still do now, work, running my own business, I, I was going to work a bit later than usual. And I spotted a father who was holding his daughter's hand and he clearly was picking her up from school. And that struck me. I, I kind of knew him around the area I lived and it was clear that he, he ran his own business. It left an imprint in my heart and I thought to myself, when I am a father, I would want to be able to do the same thing. I would want control of my time, not just for myself, but to be able to take care of my family and a lot more. I wanted that experience more than my next bonus. Many crazy and bad things have happened to me in my life. Why do I keep pushing on? Because I'm living for more than myself. Now, even beyond my family, <laughs> I involved in various projects, whether it's in church or otherwise, for the greater good and humanity at large. Two more things on selfishness. As leaders, one of the things that you have to check yourself about is the decision you are making. Is this decision what is best for the team and the organization, or is it what is best for you? You need to put your ego in check. Sometimes I have seen situations where a leader goes, does the presentation, loses the deal because they didn't put their ego in check. I have seen leaders decide on a particular strategy, not because it's what is best for the team or the business unit, but is what is best for their career. I have seen mentors who advise mentees to do something within the organization and when you look at it squarely because i coach some of these people i'm thinking to myself i don't see how this move is good for you the risk is too much and the gain, the possible downside compared to the little gain doesn't make any sense looking at this objectively the person that benefits the most if this goes okay or well is your mentor you need to have wise conversation because i don't think it's something that you should do so let's not be selfish let us as leaders be selfless. It doesn't mean that we suffer at the expense of other people, although sometimes leadership requires us to do that, or just being a good person. <laughs> Many times though, being selfless means that there is a win-win. So this wraps up this episode and the last two episodes where we were asking the question, how do you push past your feelings? And I'm gonna do a quick run through. First, fear, don't let it stop you. Excuses, assess what the root cause of the excuse is and move past it. Ego is the enemy. Be 
humble. Don't be lazy. Know that little things you don't do now are going to compound over time. Face your insecurities. Don't have a nonchalant attitude. Be decisive. Address the issues of guilt so it doesn't become shame. And do not be selfish. If this episode and podcast has been good for you and useful, please help the community, share it, like it, comment on it, subscribe to the page, pay it forward. And if you have any questions, please feel free to send those questions in. Stay blessed. Thanks for joining us on Live, Love, Lead. Keep living authentically, loving sincerely and leading boldly. And until next time, stay blessed.